Welcome to FMRPG. We're here tonight to talk about something that should be talked about on another show called System Mastery. We're here to talk about Phoenix Command because someone made a terrible joke in the Discord channels, and that person was Mike. What up, Mike? Yeah, yeah, that was me. Hi, <laughs> I'm Mike. I I'm in the Discord a lot, and. Yeah. Uh, uh, geez, well, we'll get into it. We'll get yeah, into but it. Mike is also from uh, the great show Darker Days Radio, so yeah. we'll be we'll be <clears throat> pimping that uh, later as well. But uh, if you're not listening to it, it, don't stop now. But after the show, go subscribe. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then we got Nolan. I suckered Nolan into this because he yep. likes old games. But this time, it's not my fault. It is not. Mm. That was the last. That was Phoenix the, Dawn Command. Yeah, that one's my mm. fault. Was your fault. <laughs> oh, other than reading this game, how's everybody do, been doing? Oh, pretty solid. Pretty solid. Yeah, I've been working on some uh, Imperial Navy breachers uh, today. And uh, you might see me clipping out some some bits uh, during the show if you're watching the uh, the YouTube uh and yeah gaming wise uh been playing some D D. uh not too amped about that system though uh so i've been thinking about because my fiance wants to start up another group for some people i've been thinking about the new legend of the five rings you know i got that book the one with the uh the more uh esoteric dice is that yeah so i'd use the esoteric dice but i'd probably use the setting from the new adventures in rokugan because it's slightly more um uh there's there's actual east asian voices that had input into it so you know it's it's a bit the setting actually is a little bit more fixed than it was in 2017 and obviously better than the 90s version in hindsight right well we could that that setting can only get better over time, as far as I can tell. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, speaking of uh, not liking Dungeons and Dragons, and and uh, I got my copy of Dungeon Caster from our good friend uh, Christopher Gray in the mail. Ooh. So this is supposed to be a story game version of Dungeons and Dragons, and it's based off his High Caster system, which is very story gamey. So I'm Ooh. looking forward to reading through that, but it's supposed to be a direct. Be able to directly go through here, and it was Creative Commons before it was cool. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, about to wrap up Cyborg, I think, depending on how next Saturday goes. But um, for a minute, and then we might uh, we might play Marvel superheroes from the nineteen eighties. <laughs> yeah, let's get some phase rip on. I'm uh, I'm game. Yeah, All I've right. suckered Nolan into run running that for me. I yep. think, but. Uh, you were like, can you run this? And I was like, I think so. And then you asked me to help you generate a character last night. I was like, I think I could do this cold without <laughs> looking at the yeah, book. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's been a long time, but I played so much of that in high school. Yeah, that should be a lot of fun. I know uh, Morton Crimson on the Discord, he went through and reviewed every single Marvel role-playing game in a post. And uh, someone should like screen cap that or something because it was very detailed and very good. Well, and we got a lot of love for, uh, for Face Rip. You know, he got a good review. 
Yeah, well, we got him on an episode that is not released at the time of this recording, talking about why superhero games are awesome and maybe why they're not as popular as they as every other form of superhero media. Hmm. So look forward to that in the near future past, depending on when this drops. (laughs) (laughs) Days of future past. There we go. Reference. That's what people like, right? Speaking of, <laughs> well, I don't think there are any references in, well, maybe there's some references in this game, but who boy, Phoenix Command, everybody. Phoenix Command, everybody. And just to How date you- this for the time, for the uh, for the listeners, uh, we're recording this on uh, tax weekend in the US, United States, and I think that's extremely appropriate because this has all the charm of a tax form. <laughs> <laughs> Look up in table 7C. Mike, how did you know about this game? Because I I mentioned it to someone else at a game store, and he's like, what? Who who would even know about that game, and why would you even bother? (laughs) Well, geez, uh, I don't know when I first heard about it, but uh, I definitely... It could be from when I used to go into Wikipedia and click on the category RPGs and just read through every single thing that was at a Wikipedia page and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, uh, oh, the uh, the Highlander fan game for World of Darkness. Oh, okay, that's cool. Oh, yeah, that's the uh, Immortal, I think is what one was. Anyways, uh, yeah. Highlander the Gathering, I think, was the original one. But there was uh, another one for Chronicles of Darkness. I know a lot of weird stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, what about, what about like uh, Omega-23? And then, oh phoenix command that sounds spicy so it might have been from that or it might have been even earlier because i used to be on some pretty grognardy um message boards for like warhammer 40,000 second edition and like rogue trader i think rogue trader heresy was the uh the one oh yeah yeah legacy yeah that's the one more of ages yeah that's one where you can chop off people's heads and get some power I saw some pretty interesting stuff about souls, but getting back to the main topic. uh, Yeah. So definitely uh, it was sometime on the internet basically. And it always kind of stuck in my mind. And I will actually uh, also point out that I played a variation of Phoenix command years and years ago because um, someone on Newgrounds, the flash website back in the day actually made a version of the aliens board game, which used this system and I was able to play it in that way. Did, which... did... <laughs> what? What? So, okay. So the Aliens board game you yeah. was used the leading edge, which is the name of the company that published this right yes. system for an Aliens branded board game. Yeah. It was okay. pretty. It was pretty crunchy, but luckily it was on a computer when I was playing it, so it wasn't that bad. But don't worry, everyone. We're gonna dive right in and just get into the insanity of this because the eighties were a different time. Didn't Leading Edge also get the license for that one like uh, movie, Dracula movie, where he looks like Mozart uh, back in the early nineties? Like, oh, I really want to know Dracula. Yeah, I really want to know if like. That uses the Phoenix Command system. <laughs> I don't know if that was Leading Edge or if it was uh, West End Games. It could be either, um, but we'll have to look that up and uh, and confirm. Yeah, that, uh, as we go along here, that's uh, well. 
Yeah, that that would be an interesting. I mean, obviously, a company like that getting you know getting random licenses. It's sort of like today, like there's just these ran- like that one Kickstarter that keeps pimping all the random licenses it gets, like you know, uh, Pacific Rim and all this other stuff. And it's like, wait, but why would you do that in D twenty? Anyways, Stargate, GI Joe. Power yeah. Rangers, Transformers, but anyway, let's let's just get into the punishment here because okay. uh, I know people people want to know some more about Phoenix Command. So let, let's dive into this. And gosh, have we gotten ourselves into something? So Phoenix Command was originally published by Leading Edge Games in 1986 as a generic small arms combat system, and despite making a lot of allusions to role playing games, it isn't one. Uh, or is it? You know, uh, the book seems a little bit confused on the matter. But reading through, and maybe Nolan, you can kind of confirm this or, or give your own opinion. It seemed like it was trying to achieve three things in this very slim tome, which was one to create a hyper realistic war game simulator, create a narrative campaign system, and create a role playing game or a system that could be bolted onto uh, other existing RPG systems or settings. Yeah, I mean, I think that's its stated goal. I think you're you're absolutely right there. But um, the notion that you could like bolt this onto anything else <laughs> is like almost ludicrous. Like, it's so detailed. Like, how could you? You know, it, it towards the end it says, "Say, oh, you might just use our uh, incredibly broke system for firing weapons, but then fall back to your own systems, like right. hit point system or something." And not have to roll on 10,000 tables after you've been <laughs> been hit. Uh, but the notion that you can plug this into something else. Uh, one thing that did occur to me was something incredibly fluffy might actually work. Like if you want to play like drama system <laughs> as like the interpersonal drama between this platoon of, you know, soldiers. Uh, and then use this as the uh resolution for non-dramatic scenes then maybe maybe something like that Mm, i think it might actually even weirdly (laughs) work i think it might actually even weirdly work because drama system is always driving you to like have more dramatic scenes and avoid more procedural scenes Mm. and they even have a terrible uh roman laws even put a terrible like procedural resolution system in there because he wants it to be no fun so you keep having dramatic scenes which are the fun kind (laughs) unless and i think Phoenix Command here would definitely be the terrible resolution system you would want to avoid and have another, like, you know, grim, you know, night in the trenches with your band of brothers rather than (laughs) have to deal with combat. Yeah. That is that is a good way of looking at it. You know, instead of using whatever system Recon uses, for example, oh, yeah, just stick this in and then you'll not want to get into a firefight. (laughs) Definitely change the tack of the game. Like you're good. It's it's like playing because uh, this is a miniatures game. God damn, this is a miniatures game. Yeah. Uh, but like it's like playing like Blood Bowl or something. The further you can go without actually rolling the dice, the better you are. Mm-hmm. Like this, <laughs> the further you you know, if you can just like move around and just never roll the dice, you're probably better off. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, oh, and the authors acknowledge that if you every so often they stop for a little uh, tactical hint, and it's only like you know, two or three 
paragraphs or whatever. But they, at one point they stop and say, like, uh, I've got some tactical help for you in here in the basic thing. And uh, one of the good strategies you should have is don't get shot. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Gee, thanks. Thanks, game. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, let's dive into the setting because you know the book really wants to focus on that hyper realism. All right, this is a this is a simulationist realism game, and it, boy, it gives it to you. So let's talk about it. It might be a little painful, but uh, this is what people are here for. So we start off. It's any good RPG game does, even though this isn't an RPG, which is starting off with how you make your character, and stats in Phoenix Command range from. 3 to 18, 3 to 6, just as Lord Gygaz intended. Uh, these stats are strength, intelligence, will, health, and agility. So they kind of partially map to D&D, but also have a little bit of a, a little bit of a variation there. Well, well, they literally say, we're, we're not going to deal with charisma. Like, sorry, that's out of that's out of the scope of this. Like, we're not going to deal with anything out of out of combat. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It has that line in there. Like, uh, if, if there's. I think it says something, well, it's in my notes somewhere else, but it says it, it talks about the role-playing stats later, or it's like in a different section, and then you just don't even find them in the book. <laughs> right. We like, just lost that section. It was not important anyways. Yeah. I will note uh, here that... cut a page. Yeah, I will note here that they're like super careful to like, you know, model everything about firearms like super realistically, but of course, the only real way to model a human being is with 3d6 <laughs> like yeah an attribute from 0 to 18 yeah if you look at their living steel game which also uses this system you generate a character by rolling 4d6 adding that to 48 and then dividing up those points between your uh five stats so that's a little bit of an interesting uh, uh way of doing it i think Anyway, let's get back to uh, Phoenix Command, though. Next, you need to get your character's skill level, which ranges from 0 to 20. Hmm, hmm where have I seen that before? But, 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 but there's more. But there's more, because, first of all, that's not actually the number you use when you use your skill level. It's on a chart. You have to cross-reference your skill level with your skill uh, something level. <laughs> to yep. actually get some kind of like um across and then uh there's no system to determine what level you are other than the game master or the player yes. just says what level they are yeah so there's that's no not gonna, yeah, it doesn't come from your stats this was wild to me it doesn't come yeah. from your stats at all and there's just like a thing there's like a chart in there that says like oh a special forces team is it this skill level and like a enlisted man is at this skill level and like somebody who yeah. is basic firing arms training is at this skill level like it doesn't say how to generate it how to add it to your character either the gm just says it or like yeah and if i remember correctly special forces which we think is like best of the best their skill level is like 12 so like <laughs> right. who's the 20 then i mean why yeah. do we even have this this granularity in the system if we don't even use it Yes. Well, there's and definitely there, a dimi diminishing return on that chart. Once you get above a certain level, it's only like plus one extra to your roll or whatever. But there's like big jumps and then it just like levels off about there. Yeah. So like <laughs> it's, it's a weird diminishing return thing that I'm like, 
okay because i tried to figure out how to shoot somebody and that was a mistake <laughs> but mm. go ahead continue mike this is <laughs> oh yeah okay so next up we have rules for speed and encumbrance just like any good rpg would have um yeah and you need to cross-reference these values on a table with your strength and agility to find your base and maximum movement speeds and these range from between one and 13. so you can move between one hex and 13. actually i'm sorry i shouldn't say hex because the game has not told us that this is a hex game yet so between one and 13 units at right. this point but 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 it does it almost doesn't even make any sense this one to 13 units because said hexes because the later when it tells you how to move <laughs> yeah is not directly mapped to your move speed right right it's it's all it's all pretty zany um then we have the intelligence skill factor which is uh determined by your skill factor plus your intelligence and uh this is actually really your character's reaction value i don't know why they called it intelligence skill factor they really just want to make things more complicated they, they had like. to use the int stat somewhere and this is it yeah, and like right. you're absolutely right like all this is is your like quitch value or your reflex value <laughs> yeah. intelligence never comes into your character into the combat system other than this uh, mm -hmm. but yeah this is the only thing intelligence feeds into but yes. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, it's it's all it's all pretty wacky. And why couldn't yeah, why can't it just be your intelligence or just be the reaction, let's say? Yeah. Why do we need this extra table just to just to calculate it? It was the 80s, man. It was the 80s. All right. Now here we get like a really good one. Um, next you need to calculate the knockout value. And this is a character's metric for when they go into shock from their injuries. And the equation for this is 0 0.5 times your character's will times your skill level and we didn't really mention this before but your skill level is actually short for gun combat skill level so basically the better you are at shooting the more damage you can take before passing out and i guess you know this is the 1980s so people are watching a lot of schwarzenegger films and that just makes perfect sense that's just realism <laughs> uh, i mean that that could that makes uh well, it makes no sense, but it's also I, I I I find the idea of the knockout value to be really interesting. Oh, it's great. Like that that's something that, you know, because you're like often don't want to kill a character off a lot, but in this game, they're just gonna die with left and right. Though that's we'll, right. we'll get into it later, but yeah, I do find the health situation like and getting shot, like getting shot is as complicated as shooting. So we'll, <laughs> like, we'll deal with that when we get to it. But I, I do find it a little bit interesting, like how it works. But somehow you learn how to be knocked out less by getting better at shooting. Yeah, that's a little... <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, there was some logic by the designers, but I don't know what it was. And they definitely did not take us aside to explain that one. Now we get to combat actions and other concepts um here's a couple things to highlight so combat takes place in four impulses each phase and characters get a certain number of actions during each impulse um the number of actions depends on your maximum speed and your intelligence skill factor reaction um and basically you can get between zero and six actions per impulse now when you go back to, into the back of the book uh, the table 
just stops at uh, 21 total actions. But you know from what we were saying before that you could actually get up to a total of 24. I guess they just ran out of space in this table and just hoped that no one would level up that high, basically. Which is probably true. But the the other part of this is weird is like, so the 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 rounds are two seconds and each there's four impulses so they're half a second yeah. long but right. then yeah. you get so many actions and you get into the place where you have uneven numbers of actions you can have in a, in an impulse which means you right. get into the place like in the second edition where you have two slash three attacks yep. <laughs> oh yeah or yeah one. there there is a weird pattern to how they uh assign those like if you have an uneven number so you have your total number of action you can do in a phase which is two seconds and those get more or less evenly distributed between the four half second impulses um Mm -hmm. but uh when the when it comes to the fact that you've got a remainder and one left over like the first time they think they put it in the first impulse and in the third impulse and then yes, the fourth right. and the second i think uh so you can extend that table indefinitely into the uh yeah <laughs> but, i mean i yeah. could figure it out but it was just like yeah. oh you guys uh just didn't complete the table right that's yeah that's fun <laughs> that's great they just stopped yeah <laughs> Maybe you should have stopped a lot lo- lower level on a lot of other stuff, and that yeah. would have been fine. Like twelve, which is you know special forces, you just just cut this whole game. Right. <laughs> so the yeah. action economy here is weird, though, right? If since we're here talking about it, I want to like yeah. So like, um, you can use your actions, your action counts, which you get, you know, a certain number each impulse, um, but you can carry them over across impulses right so it may take uh six uh action counts for a SWAT guy to like batter down a door right and a super fast dude you know might be able to do that in one impulse but a more typical guy may have to hold you know has two actions per impulse and he may have to hold that you know, keep doing the battering ram across three uh, impulses to build up enough action count to get the door uh, battered down, for instance. So that's kind of how that works. Uh, this also gets to aiming. Do we want to talk about aiming? Yes, we want to talk about aiming. But first, <laughs> before we get to okay. aiming, I just want to talk about two things. One, that the uh, the charts are only ever printed once. And they're in the back of the book. They're not printed when you're reading through this. So you're constantly flipping back and forth in this yep. book. Oh, yeah. It is not possible out. to read this book without your thumb in the back. <laughs> right. You should. I mean, it was designed to be printed, but like, just like I'm reading it on a PDF because I wasn't going to waste the paper on this thing. But like, <laughs> I didn't have enough like scrap paper laying around. But like the action table. Or, you know, you have all these micro actions you're doing, but it's rather limited in what its scope is. So anything outside the scope of this is going to be an argument between you and the and the game master as to how many action segments it takes, how many actions it takes to do something. Because that's what it says. It says to, to be determined between the players and the and the referee. And it's like, well, this is the 1980s. So that's probably going to end some friendships. 
when you have to take <laughs> 10 actions instead of five to do whatever you're whatever you needed to do that turn um right but yeah the but getting into that was but getting into aiming because you don't you can you can aim for like every action depend and like six or eight actions depending on what weapon you're using is how many it's i think it's mostly six by the look of it because there's like 20 paid nope nine ten okay yeah you can aim like you can keep on aiming man (laughs) the more (laughs) segments you keep aiming the like more bonuses you stack up (laughs) yeah there is a limit but like it's a lot (laughs) so uh uh fun uh trick question uh how many actions does it take to uh uh fire to actually pull the trigger and fire your weapon in this game trick question zero you are (laughs) you you are in it is implied that you fire at the end of the (laughs) of this impulse in which you quit aiming (laughs) <laughs> interesting huh i didn't catch that that, yeah. was, uh, that went uh, above my head that like I you didn't... can keep aiming and keep aiming and keep aiming and the the book says you know you may have declared that you're going to aim for like six you know action counts uh but you know then you see your buddy get shot and whatever and you're like fuck it i'm going now and like you've only got three counts so you can like stop and just fire then right uh well, I I, de- I did see that that you can you can yeah. fire whenever you want, depending on. But you can stop. But I didn't realize that it didn't count <laughs> as an action. Yeah, the actual pulling the trigger is free. In yes. the action, yeah. I, so I, I don't mind that actually. That's that's okay. So you're you're it's basically a weird action. choice, but it's interesting. Yeah. Like yeah, your basic well, action is to aim. Then so there's a minimum of one action of aiming. Well, but, I, I assume, but that's that's your firing. That's where you start with your on. So, okay, to fire a weapon in this game is madness. Let me first say that, okay, because I spent like a good t- a chunk of time of my life, a couple more gray hairs in my beard, trying to figure this out. And I was like, oh, well, it's just the your skill level and get cross reference with your with your range well no 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 because it's the skill level you go to the skill you have to find the skill level chart and that tells you what your modifier is to what your aim is that then you cross-reference that with your range so you're like oh i'm trying to fire this pistol at this distance well that pistol has a specific if you just snapshot it which is like the one one aim line i think that was hell if i remember it's like it's really terrible and then your skill modifies you down so many levels in that chart and then you go across to where your range is at so and i found that most shots were impossible like (laughs) even even trying to shoot something at two yards was like an 80 percent chance on most things at like relatively low levels (laughs) yeah Hmm. And later you'll get to, later they'll tell you how to adjust that up and down based on uh you know how much cover your opponent has and whether they're uh standing or kneeling or laying prone or whether all, you're standing kneeling or laying prone and whether you're moving and whether they're moving all these uh 
all these adjust you up and down in this giant table of uh of two hit right this is you know table 2a odds of hitting right which is the master kind of uh table and there's a whole diagonal up at the top where you just miss and there's a whole diagonal uh bottom where your shot accuracy gets high enough and you just hit right uh mm -hmm. um, but yeah then there's some lines in the middle where then there's a band in the middle where uh where you get some percentage from between like one percent and you know, 96% or whatever, 98, 99% where you can take a shot. Right. And there's, and you actually need to roll. Right. Well, it's sort of, it's hilariously, I think it's emulating more of a uh, Schwarzenegger movie than it is real life in some places, because I just was like, when I was doing the calculation, I was like, Oh, I'm just a militia guy. So I've got, I'm a level one dude which means I get a plus five to my role and I'm just trying to make a snapshot at a guy with my 1911 pistol. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that that's a start at negative 18. And then I go up five up. I'm sub, uh, add five to that and I get down to negative 13, but then there's no negative 13 line. So it goes to the negative 12, which is nice of them to round up instead of down in this situation, as far as I could tell. I mean, it could be the other way, but that's what I read into their as a terrible writing. <laughs> uh, and then you go across over, oh, I can't shoot it more than 20 yards. So then I got to like 20 hexes, but I got to anyway. Because you're using a handgun, right? Right. So I have, a 1 per, I have a 1% chance of hitting a dude out there at the what I would think is the most mostly what you would most ranges are about that long. <laughs> right. Whereas, they had, are, whereas like the enormous weapons chart in the back is like how many different types of M16s and AKs can we list? Like all the yeah. sub variants. <laughs> like and that's what it's assuming you're firing. Pages. Yeah. 20 pages of this book are are just weapon charts. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely <laughs> it definitely thinks your infantrymen with you know assault rifle like kind of you know uh well, situation. They they saw the uh the palladium like arms and guns gun. They're like, oh we can do this better. Oh yeah. We could totally do this better. And We're so much uh, more realistic. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's why we got this. The guns are more complicated than your character. <laughs> they have a similar way. number of they have a similar number of uh yeah. attributes yeah well yeah they, uh, but they have yeah. also have a sub chart there's similar attributes and then there's a sub chart you've got to go into if you're going to try and penetrate armor there's a whole yeah. sub chart uh, for that uh, we're not to <laughs> penetration yet this book is obsessed with pen penetration <laughs> <laughs> hmm. it's it's it, it's quite true it's quite true but not just penetration nolan it's it's obsessed with length and inches yep the weight Probably the girth of the gun, yep. reload time, rate of fire, knockdown power, all those aiming modifiers we were mentioning, sustained fire. Whether you're standing or kneeling. Yeah. And, and let us not confuse penetration with effective penetration. These are oh. different things. Like, <laughs> never the two shall meet. <laughs> or blunt force, blunt, blunt penetration, which is also a thing. Yep. We got minimum fire arc in hexes. Uh, just in case you decide to spray and pray, that sort of thing. Uh, accuracy of the gun, accuracy of the ammunition, yes, time you of can't... flight of the projectile. Yeah, because you definitely have to pick whether you're firing, you know, 
armor piercing or oh, yeah. <laughs> like it, that makes a big difference in the uh armor yeah all those different types of ammunition make a big difference yeah. in how you die <laughs> hollow points which i think are yeah, banned points, by the geneva yeah. convention but hey more crimes are okay in an rpg right oh, i'm sorry <laughs> this is a Please. Small arms combat simulator. Well, if you can buy them on the street, then they're going to put because it was a big deal in the eighties, right? Those were yeah, those were true. just hitting the American market, really. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's a good point. They probably weren't banned at that point. Um, yeah, and yeah, these these gun stat blocks are actually I counted it more complicated, more attributes than the character sheet. So, <laughs> and you're going to have multiple of them. So have fun with that. You could definitely need to photocopy this book back in the eighties. Oh yeah, this is this is like you're you're basically need to have like six or eight copies of this this photocopied so you can like cut out all the stat blocks and put them on your character sheet. Yeah, yeah. Um. So now the book at this point tells us that we're ready to play the game because we only made it to page eight so far. Um, I I we we kind of talked about the combat system and gaming and stuff. Um. So we'll just kind of get the the cliff notes. Uh, discussion from here because really there's just two main actions which is move and shoot um actually i don't even remember if i saw this is there melee combat of any kind in this no i was about to say there's 50 pages of <laughs> in here they're all about weapons and all about combat and whatever there is not one page on how not one sentence on how <laughs> your special forces dude can slit a guy's throat it's yeah. not possible. Or, or stab <laughs> a guy model. with a bayonet mounted to your rifle. Like, right. literally, it was the... I mean, most of the scenarios these guys would have been recreating from even Vietnam would have had guys, like, putting bayonets on the end of their guns, yeah. like, fighting There's in the jungle. Like, <laughs> just literally nothing in here about melee. Like, anything that isn't firearms is not fucking modeled in the most realistic system in the world. <laughs> all right okay <laughs> i'm sure there's an extension for it. i'm sure they've there's a there were more, book. there were probably more books than this but yeah, i'm sure there's a splat book that extends it but in this core book here no there's no way to stab a guy well aliens not possible. aliens had a variant so it must have melee combat in that or is it just sure. if the alien reaches you you're you're gone i know yeah it's surely not in this game surely you okay. have to determine which part of your liver is damaged by the oh yeah because the 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 where your hit charts is is a is a piece out right almost out of hackmaster like it's like it's like three it's like two or three pages and it's very detailed as to what part of what uh gland, gland you're actually hitting somebody in um very very obsessed with clans i think so all right yeah. are we talking about are we talking about hit location and <laughs> Effective penetration and <laughs> Nolan, Nolan, take it away. Because... Go for it. Uh, are, are we are we to this part? Yeah, we're to this part. Yeah. Go for uh, it. All right, all right. <laughs> so, uh, you've hit a guy, maybe right. You <laughs> hit a guy, right? You got you've landed a bullet roughly on target. Uh, at this point, you have to make a roll as to whether or not it's like a glancing blow. Or a penetrating blow, right? Uh, and there are like ten different uh, damage weapon damage classes, and there's all different. So this all goes. The master table for this is table six A, hit location and damage, and this is a 
12 point like table. He's showing go, it on he's showing it on screen. On screen. There's this no is a 12 way you point, could actually read it, even in 4K. This is a 12 so. point chart table that covers two eight and a half by eleven <laughs> like pages completely, <laughs> like from top to bottom. Like there are 10 damage classes of weapons. Uh you have to uh once you have determined your effective uh armor penetration, right? What you do that is you get their armor uh protection factor uh and you make a roll to see how penetrating your shot is and that's just zero uh to nine and the difference in here can be th this role is like the single most important thing like this role is unbelievably the the amount of the swinginess of this damage is madness uh because if you have a zero and it's like a glancing roll uh this is chart uh 6d right uh yeah you can go from very minimal to uh, incredible huge amounts of damage and i do think this damage thing is like somewhat interesting so i'm going to get into this a little bit uh so you determine then your effective penetration based on what their armor's protection factor is and uh this role here and once you get the effective uh, penetration, you then need to figure out where they were hit. And of course, there's different places they can be hit, depending on whether they're hiding behind cover of some kind, in which case they can only be hit in like the head and the shoulders and the arms as they're shooting out behind cover. Uh, or if they're out in the open, you can hit them in the liver or the pelvis or whatever. The, the rib in front of your liver. There, yeah, I mean, there's literally a rib on every other line of this thing <laughs> yes. your chest so your rib couldn't save your ass apparently yes yes you're hitting the lung but it's but it hits the rib <laughs> like it makes a big difference or you're hitting the liver but it hits a rib like it matters a lot uh and the damage here is kind of madness so there is that knockout factor uh, from before, where if you take a certain amount of damage, you are going to be knocked unconscious. You are going to go into shock or something. Uh, but the amount of damage you can take here ranges from like one or two points to I think there's a prefix here for millions of damage, right? If you look at yeah. six, table 6A, you can take millions of damage. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't really have that much health to start with. Like, no. Yeah. That's the interesting part. You don't die by running out of health in this game. That's weird. Uh, what happens is uh, you take a buttload of damage and you look it up in another table. And what this table tells you then is how long you have until you have to make your death check and what your death check will be. Right? Um and uh, there's various uh, quality of care, right? Everything from your buddy doing CPR in the field to like a level five trauma surgery center, right? Like all these levels of care to a field hospital or a, you know, a civilian hospital all the way up to a level five trauma center, right? And so you take this damage, you've taken like a million damage and you're going to die in like, Six impulses. But then your gut buddy gives you CPR. 
So now you move over to the table, over the column of the table, where you're receiving CPR. So now you're going to die in 30 minutes. You're going to have to make your death check in 30 minutes because your buddy is giving you CPR. And he can keep you alive for 30 minutes. But then they get you to a field hospital. So now, uh, uh, now you get to wait you know, six hours until you make your death check. And the odds on your death check are much better because you're receiving field hospital. Uh, <laughs> you're basically at the MASH center, right? And the, uh, that's an old person reference. Uh, but you're receiving some kind of actual medical care. So your death save is much, much higher. But uh, whenever the time, whatever level of care you're receiving at the time, when the time runs out for your, uh, for your death check, right? Uh, and it doesn't reset when you get a new type of care. It's always from the like impulse when your buddy started first, <laughs> when you first took the bullet, right? Uh, but each kind of level of care can stretch that out. And each level of care like improves your odds of uh, making your death check. So yeah, even if you have like take a million points of damage that just means you're going to die in like you know a few half seconds right it doesn't mean you're dead like there's no like amount of damage you can take where you're just dead you have to fail a death check and you get to drag it out by receiving better and better levels of care mm. uh, but that's how that works and it's a little bit crazy but it is interesting <laughs> yeah it certainly is you know in a role-playing game sense that is pretty neat because it really could ramp up the drama um and i guess in a um even in a tactical war game if you like are attached to the the characters for some reason maybe you're doing that narrative campaign we we're talking about then you can want to um get them out of there extract them um which could make things uh definitely really interesting uh nolan one thing you brought up which i think is really neat is that uh that knockdown value because i actually think it's pretty neat that um you know you get hit by some sort of an object and then there is a, uh, you know, comparison to your, your knockdown uh, score that you have mm -hmm. between the knockdown uh, effect of the weapon. And then you see, does your character go down or not? Um, and it's a probability, right? If you get hit right. by a grenade launcher round, you know, M uh, uh, 40 millimeter, I think is what it is. Um, that might actually not knock you down there's a 98% chance that'll knock you down, but it might not. And even if you're the most, you know, badass dude with the highest will score, the best, you know, gun value, there's still like a slight chance that even just a, you know, round from a, uh, a pistol or something or a zip gun could actually knock you down um, just because yeah. it gets you in just the right way. I think that's really neat, but of course they ruin it because they make you do this whole calculation and then you check to see if you take damage. And then if you take damage, right, if you're about to die, you're knocked down anyway. So it should really be uh, flipped around. But <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, that's definitely uh, true. And it is, it does mean that even the most like glancing of wound, like you have to be worried about getting shot no matter what, because yeah. they're always going to roll on, you know, are you, you know, going into shock, even from a like, what is basically a flesh wound, like, even a five point like little scrape could take you out of the combat, right? Like, because like the combat with your buddies going around around you is going on in half second 
intervals. So if you go into shock, like you are effectively out, <laughs> right? Like this whole like combat, you know, could take like 10 or 20 seconds and you are not coming back from shock in 10 or 20 seconds. Well, which is why this, this is more of a miniatures game where you should be playing it with multiple characters under each person's control, because you're going to lose the first person, like one impulse in as he steps around the corner and gets blasted and you use that as a distraction to like, get to the, get to the next piece of cover. Right. It's, the, and and you, you point out rightly uh, a little later on in your notes that like it it sort of harkens back to a little bit like Kriegspiel or some of the early 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 stuff that Gygax was doing with like chainmail that really what is a, like a a refereed war game. This is not there's no role playing in it unless you want to like pretend with your and go through your hospital calculations after the game. I almost guarantee you almost no one ever did the ca- hospital calculations and just went, we got new privates in. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Oh, well, yeah, they probably restarted, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Who wants to find out, you know, you know, whether or not the wound is disabling to my liver. So my liver never works again or. <laughs> uh yeah. All right. Yeah. So no, that was an awesome, awesome summary right there. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think we really need to go over armor. It just makes you a bit more resilient. It's it's complicated. Yeah. And of course, it, you gotta have it your computes body armor. that it computes that effective penetration, right? The armor's there because you need to compute the effective penetration to figure out how many hundreds of thousands of points of damage you're gonna take. Yeah, exactly. And of course, you have your body armor, you have your helmet armor, and then your visor armor. I liked that they uh, made that. Yeah, very oh, yeah, those are very different, right? Yeah, because yeah, when you compute the armor factor for the effective penetration, like it matters whether it hits you in your flak jacket or in your visor. Like that's that; those are different. Yeah, yeah. realism. Um, so after that, uh, in the combat section, we got a couple other things. Automatic fire can help you land multiple hits. That's one way of doing it. So that's the way they went with it. And then you get to all the advanced rules. I don't know if Nolan, you want to really talk about these, but we have stuff like bullet drop, um, shotguns, um, (laughs) shotguns, shotguns, which you need to calculate the individual number of pellets that hit. Yes. That's great. (laughs) Uh, You you determine whether the shotgun pattern lands on your target and then how many pellets hit and the yeah. The table is like super confusing because most of it is in percentages, but then up the upper top, it gets into very small numbers, which are like two star, which means if you are at this level, uh, you are guaranteed to hit them with two pellets. <laughs> and you you might look at that table and think, why do I, I shot even better? Why do I have only a 2% chance? No, 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 that's not a 2% chance. That's at this level, you are guaranteed to have hit them with two pellets out of your shotgun blast. So yeah, you you overlay the shotgun blast on the uh, character and you determine either the odds of hitting them with at least one pellet or how many pellets. And then the game, of course, suggests, well, you know, if you're if you're uh, weak, you might just assume all the pellets hit the same body location. But real real simulationists will roll individually on every body part for which pellet. (laughs) (laughs) Whether the one hits your rib or your liver or your like pelvis or you you, got to 
roll those pellets individually if you're really if you're a true fan. For the I, I, discerning gamer. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I need a, I need a drink. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. RBK, you keep drinking. I'll keep talking. Uh, we got the rules for grenades, because obviously we needed that one. Um, there's even more complex accuracy rules, which I didn't bother to read. And then we, at the very end, you get um, uh, rules for the use of non-blocking cover, like human shields. So... Because uh, non-blocking you... cover also covers hiding behind cardboard or right, hiding right. behind a car door, right? Uh, and then they, you know, talk about how much uh, armor value a car door is versus plaster. Of course, the table doesn't include drywall, which would be mm. the most common thing for anyone to mm. be behind. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That would be non uh, would be non-blocking cover. Uh, but yes, uh, you are potentially when you're hiding behind non-blocking cover. It is not just that you get hit in the head and the arm and the shoulder where you were shooting out from behind cover. You may be hit at any part of your body because the cover uh, will be there. But of course, the cover will of course add an armor factor if they shoot through uh, the car door and hit you. Then it increases your armor factor because the car door slowed the bullet before it hit you. Uh, very, very, very important information here. Very critical to playing the game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, make sure yeah. you can be hit in all the right parts. Yes, uh, <laughs> which which, in, which is a weird case because in that part, like maybe the adversary doesn't want a heart shot because that means the heart shot is going to add the car door's armor factor to. So, yeah, <laughs> like, interesting. I mean, not yeah. really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can see at least some strategy to it. Like, like oh, okay, they're behind the car door, but if you don't shoot them in the chest, but if you could do a called shot for the head, oh, man. Called shot in their ear. The called shots are weird. I didn't completely grasp it. It's... Yeah, I was going to ask because I didn't read that part. Uh, so that, I mean... Yeah, I guess it makes sense. So, you can be like, try to aim for a thing, and I'm sure it looks a like you can try that. and aim to for a thing, and then you prefer what I what I understood of how it worked, and it was complicated, was uh, that when you try and aim for say the head or whatever, then you get a higher chance to hit the head, but you know you also get a higher chance to like hit the shoulder and neck, and uh, you know like. It focuses your fire. It makes your fire more difficult and also kind of focuses uh, the range at which you can miss, right? That you'll yeah. miss on a nearby organ. And, and yeah, it, it was not entirely clear to me how this worked, but that seemed to be the gist of it. I feel like that's how it works in Battle Tech, too, when you have called shots. Yeah. Um, it just like focuses more in that area. So if you're called shot on the head, you're probably not going to hit their legs. Or it's much less likely. But this thing well, is using... o- only 32 yeah. pages long. Well, we're only at 32 pages for the main rules. This is when we get into that 20 pages of guns. Oh, uh, well, and... I know, but the. Because every gun is a character sheet. Yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs> Should have little wigs for the guns, little, little like mustaches and wigs for the guns. So you can make them characters, you know, give them all cool That'd names. Oh, I forgot. We're in the advanced things. I, I do want to point out that in the advanced things, there's 
uh, definitely uh, three and a half pages of charts about hearing sound starting on page 44. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I, I sort of, I whether sort of or not intentionally you can, forgot that that existed. Whether or not you can hear a sound, given the amount of uh, the bass loudness and level around you, like if there's a bunch of automatic weapon fire going around you, you're, you're unlikely to hear somebody racking a, you know, <laughs> firearm. We also learn uh, that racking a weapon is about as loud as opening a Velcro pocket. Those are those are similar le- <laughs> loudness. <laughs> okay. Sure, sure. <laughs> But it's Whatever. very realistic. I mean, you know, like I, I don't think that's actually true because I think you're... really. <laughs> I mean, this game is very realistic in the things that the authors have thought about. Right. <laughs> things they haven't thought about. It's madness. Well, they also have like a a rule in the advanced one that that's that drew my eye. That was um, it was uh, basically a hero going out as a, a hero. There was like a, hey, you're you're down and out, but you're doing something cool, so we're gonna let you do the th- the cool thing and then die. Ah, yes, the hero rule, yeah. <laughs> Which I was like, well, wow, that's uh, I've seen that m- many places, but I didn't expect to find it here. <laughs> right, that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's definitely a, a chart in the advanced rules about uh, how many impulses or how many action counts it takes you to uh, spot a guy holding still in an empty field because uh, that's definitely harder than spotting a guy moving in an empty field. Um, it's, these are, you know, <laughs> target acquisition and the advanced rules are madness. Uh, yeah. You mentioned the grenade rules earlier. You know, it's, it's what you would expect uh, in the basic rules. It just talks about the concussive damage of a grenade or so forth. Uh, in the advanced rules, of course you get, you know, working out, you know, how far away you are and how much shrapnel you'll hit and like what the, sh- the shrapnel is similar to the shotgun pellets in terms of what the spread pattern is. And it's, if you're going to get, you know, definitely one or maybe only, you know, a cer- only a certain percent chance of getting one or, you know, like uh, and the, uh, the the chart for uh, how far you are from the explosive uh, begins with uh, you are in contact with the explosive and <laughs> goes up to. From there, it's you're in the same hex as the explosive, and you know. Then the further you are away, the less likely, yeah, you are to take it. And uh, the advanced rules, of course, uh, separate out the concussive damage of the blast of the explosion versus the shrapnel of the explosion. You have to compute those individually. And of course, the shrapnel has a location hit on your body, which is different, uh, and you need to compute it uh, separately. And you know, if it hits you in the liver, that's more damage than if it's your leg. And yes, of course. Anyways, <laughs> um, well, I, I, yeah, I think that's enough of that. <laughs> Is this enough? That's uh, enough? We don't talk about the sample adventure. <laughs> okay, we. You can use your wrap up time to talk about the sample adventures. <laughs> um, the, the, there's a couple of uh, scenarios in the back. They are straight up war games setups they are in no way role-playing games uh the sample adventure one provides no like no context at all for what's going on but you eventually learn uh it says the soviets are crossing into germany across the rhine and you eventually realize that you're playing nato so it definitely is world war ii this is definitely a 1980s like you know end of the world soviets rolling into uh west germany kind of situation uh 
and yeah, your dudes are native. And, you know, it describes, uh, it, it gives you, you know, a starter map for where all your dudes are and uh, sets up your dudes in a very advanced, advantageous uh, situation where they can, like, cross fire across uh, the enemies. It uh, describes it as a turkey shoot for the players to uh, learn how to <laughs> kill dudes. <laughs> cool story. Uh, and it says the, uh, the, uh, Demo uh, adventure here. The the Soviets will keep coming uh, for sixty phases until they uh, <laughs> until they uh, decide to go back and re retreat. So just to, just for the utter madness that is this, sixty phases. On average, you'll say you know. Well, there's definitely four impulses for per phase. Right. Right. The the scenario plays up to eight players, and it says there are forty eight Soviets. On the other side of the bridge, so 60 phases, four impulses, and 56 combatants in this scenario. <laughs> the, fortunately, thank God, everyone on average gets only one combat action per impulse. They're all at about speed four, so they get about uh, one combat action per, per impulse. Uh, with a few exceptions, like the NATO commander has a few extra, blah, blah, blah. But uh, so... On average, you know, there'll be uh, 13,440 combat actions uh, to resolve in order to complete this uh, scenario, this intro scenario. Uh, so that's uh, that's a thing that happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By my calculations, assuming two minutes per combat action, it would take you about seven and a half hours to do the scenario. Yeah. <laughs> like, I... I and then it says... Diehards may, uh, at their choice, like continue fighting it out after the sixty phases if they wish. Like diehards, like the people who got past phase twenty are diehards. <laughs> like yeah. uh, this is madness. Uh, the sample adventure two is a SWAT team busting up a drug den, basically. Uh, yeah, and then you, there we learn, you know. It's it's what you'd expect for cops or whatever. Uh, I'll just uh, I won't I won't go into it too much, but uh, I, I will just quote uh, a, a brief thing here that tells you how this uh, game thinks about this. Uh, for a police officer to tell a suspect freeze costs two action counts. Once he's frozen, it takes three action counts to tell him to drop his weapon and for him to comply. At this point, he can be searched and handcuffed. But that will be essentially forever. <laughs> to move a prisoner at gunpoint takes four action counts per hex, but allows the officer to remove a prisoner from the building. May, may <laughs> I also uh, uh, quote, because, okay, the, the thing that kept me flipping through this book were the terrible margin quotes, because there's no actual like art in this book other some other than like sketches of guns guns oh my god so many drawings of guns <laughs> so many drawings of guns but there's no art but there is margins in here but there's sort of the implied setting from the margin quotes of like a cop uh, a, a a singing bandit and uh, a a bunch of army dudes that i think are all talking to each other and one of the quotes is blam, blam, stop, blam, police, blam. 
And then eventually the officer gets is an ex-officer. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's just himself. Like so See, there's it's like, funny because the cop shot promoted. some guy without announcing himself. See, that's that's comedy in this game. That's well, and then but then it says his next uh, one of his next quote is oops, ex-officer Axley. And then it's just Axley, the next yeah. quote. So like yeah, the, the, that uh that page actually includes uh the bit where he uses a shotgun uh with a hostage and, <laughs> and then he's an ex-officer all of a sudden. Yeah, it they're they're like B B movie terrible quotes that I don't think except for maybe the three musketeers, no one is gonna know who else this is. So <laughs> yeah. It's it's not great. It's, it's something. Yeah. Yeah. The eighties were a weird time and we just went a time machine back to them. Um yeah, I I think I just want to bring up you know those last two things that uh i mentioned before those other two goals you know the narrative campaign set, uh, system where you have two players controlling you know a team each and then you have like a narrator or judge or dm kind of watching everything that's what Nolan was really talking about with the um the scenarios in the back and then you know there's kind of an idea maybe you could link together scenarios and like watch your characters um do battles and that kind of stuff uh which yeah harkens back as uh rbk said to like older wargaming scenarios from the very early days just before um rpgs became a thing so that's interesting it also really reminded me of inquisitor as i was reading through this because i was like oh yeah a lot of these rules are covered in inquisitor but are a lot simpler that would be funny if they had just they they said oh we can just make this simpler for our game that would be hilarious if that was the secret history history of Inquisitor. But. Yeah, Gav Thorpe is really a huge fan of uh, Fiend's Command, and that's why we got Inquisitor. You heard it here first. <laughs> that is not a rumor, that's a fact. Um, and then it also talks about making this a mod for a role-playing game. We kind of alluded to this before. Um, you know, it says a couple of places that maybe you can combine this with a role-playing game, um, and you know, maybe get some more realism and granularity with your combat system. I don't want to do the cop out of saying like, oh, I'd never do that. Um, especially because we actually learned in preparing for this episode that uh, uh, Petri from Finland, there's actually a convention where they've been using Phoenix Command to do a Vietnam War scenario for the past like 20 years or something. So people do use this. Uh, and there there are some fans out there. You know, this is the third edition that we were reading. So I think there is a people fourth bought edition. The first Oh my gosh. There is, is the fourth. fourth ed- I was going to make a joke that the fourth edition was Phoenix Dawn Commands. They accidentally bought the <laughs> license. And they're like, how are we going to make this work? I don't know. Make it fantasy. <laughs> For 20 years, well, they're in what, like, what, phase 100, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Something like that. Something like that. But, you know, if you really want some really granular combat systems uh, for resolutions, I mean, your options are kind of limited for what you can combine this with because you can only really use modern guns unless you want to, you know, start stouting up plasma rifles and other things. But yeah, I was mentioning recon before, you know, if you don't want to use the palladium derivative system that that has, you could uh, you go with Phoenix Command. Of course, that's Vietnam themed again. Uh, Twilight 2000 obviously has its new system and an updated setting, but um, the granularity of this actually isn't that much worse than Twilight 2000 from back in the day, like version one and version uh, version two. So if you wanted to use it for that or, or Mark 2000s, 
I guess you could. I guess you could. Oh, but I do like Nolan's idea of like putting this in as like a punishment. If you decide to do combat, <laughs> like, all right. So but, another place you might use combat as a punishment, right, is uh Cthulhu kind of universe where you fight the uh, where you fight the ancient evil and like yeah, that was hubris on your part, right? <laughs> like to decide yeah. to fight the ancient evil. So uh reading through this, I was like, this might not be insane to link into Delta Green or similar. Like okay. it, it actually I mean, my character just died jumping off a train in Delta Green. So um it, it does, I mean, I don't think it would work. It would be too much, but obviously this game is too much, but yes. But yeah, I I think my answer is probably like microscope or something dumb like that like i know nolan said uh drama system but like okay we're gonna fight a war scene out and we're gonna see who wins this war based on this one one war game but i always thought that you know the the version of this same thing that i always thought would have been fun actually fun would be like edge of the empire but we use x-wing at for the space battles right like that sounds fun to me because X-Wing is a fun game to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's what MechWarrior used to do back in the day. You know, the second you had your role-playing characters, but then as soon as you got into your mechs and did combat, we just switch over to Battletech. Um, so that works for some games. Um, I think I think your answer of Twilight 2000 might be the perfect answer. Yeah. It's the I, only answer that actually I think works, but... Yeah, maybe... Maybe maybe taking some of the damage ideas and using that in Twilight 2000, which is already really deadly in the early versions of it, but the uh, the the medical help issue, because resources are so limited, I think that could be kind of interesting to use. Um, but it already has a lot of very similar systems, like you know the reaction system in this or, or skill intelligence level uh, is similar to coolness in. Um, in Twilight 2000 and other such things. So it already has a lot of the same stuff in it, just a little bit simpler. And I guess if you wanted to just cherry pick a couple of systems just to make things even more granular or uh, zested up a little bit, uh, I guess you could do that. Um, but I would be very curious to hear about if anyone that listens to Full Metal RPG has had any experience with this game and has maybe taken anything from it or or used anything. Um, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, Email me at fullmetalrpgbiz at gmail.com or come on the Discord and just drop a, a story about this game because I will I will definitely read the entire story, barring if you get too deep in the weeds about the game, but the actual system. But I, yeah. I, I'm interested to see if you actually used it anywhere. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. But thank you very much, Mike, for, for, for making a terrible joke and then us losing some sanity reading this thing. Yeah. I'm sorry, everyone. Um, but <laughs> I want, I want you to, we're going to ask you the last question. So I asked the patrons to submit a bunch of questions, random RPG questions, Mostly Morden Crimson wrote most of this chart, but we've got some okay. other 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 people in here ask some questions. So go ahead and roll a d20. Okay. I got an 11. Okay. Uh when did when you think about the best experiences you've had playing 
What did the GM or other players do to make them so great? What lessons did you take from that experience and have that changed the way you pl- play or run games? Okay, so one time I was doing a demo of Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition at PAX Unplugged. This is about two years ago. And I these people just come in and it was like end of the like late at night doing a demo game. And they're like, well, can we just get like a two-hour game or something? So I was like, really just like I had to throw my entire adventure out the window and basically just figure things out. But as they were doing that, I came up with a really good scene where um, you know, we're doing tabletop, but they're interrogating a guy that they just captured. I think it's a vampire or something. And we basically just said, hey, let's just LARP this in the corner. And I was just like in the corner in the chair and everyone's standing around me, just like pretty much interrogating me uh, for the information. I think that kind of usage of LARP and not being afraid of you doing that uh, can really just draw people in. And uh, that was one of the uh, strongest RPG adventures I've ever run, even though I had zero things prepared for it. So I think that kind of interface between LARP and tabletop is uh, pretty rad. Well, and also the LARPing probably wouldn't have gone as far as the tabletop might have gone, where, right. you know, right. instruments could come out or some other terrible, terrible X card worthy stuff could happen. Mm, good point. Good right. Point. Where you're LARPing such a situation, you're like, no, this is, I'm here as the person. Like, I, you, Thought the GM, like I'm up here as a person, you need to treat me as such. And in vampire, it can get pretty crazy, right? So I think that is that is, is an interesting situation that you could reapply in other other goes. So yeah, that's a great point. I didn't even consider that, but yeah, cool. Yeah, that's a very good answer to the last question. Um yeah. So all right, we've had a time. Tonight, I think everybody can agree that. Um, and we all need to thank Mike for the terrible joke he made and that we now made an episode based upon uh, by going to Linktree slash Darker Days Radio or and uh, maybe, you know, checking out Darker Days Radio because they have uh, less uh, esoteric things that are actually more interesting than this game. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. So Dark Days Radio is a horror role-playing game podcast. Uh, we used to do so much with Vampire, World of Darkness, Chronicles of Darkness. Now we talk about Warhammer a lot. Also doing some uh, War Machine stuff, because Mark IV just came out. So if you're interested in any of those kinds of topics, definitely check it out. And we also do uh, some kind of spooky news, secret frequencies sometimes, which is a lot of fun. So uh, really appreciate anyone that wants to come over and listen, because uh, you know, there's, I know there's a lot of cross-pollination between FMRPG folks and Dark Days Radio. So uh, I think, you know, by our forces combined, we can uh, make an awesome, awesome community and really enhance RPGs. And yeah. thank you, RBK and Nolan, for uh, joining me on this uh, ridiculous journey that we just had. Certainly Good was stuff. ridiculous. Definitely check them out. Yeah. Um, also, I want to thank the patrons. You keep us doing weird stuff. And I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate your uh, your listening to to you know me uh, ask weird questions in the patron <laughs> channel on Discord, which is the which is the benefit of becoming a patron is you get to ask me weird questions or get you know I will listen to you because you are effectively the boss of this show um, where you give me money to dance like a puppet, so I get to you get to ask me weird questions so. Bring it on, full metal at patreon.com slash full metal RPG, or just go to our link tree uh slash full metal RPG or 
Linktree Full Metal RPG, aka FullMetalRPG.com. Um, yeah. Uh, thanks, everybody. Good night. Enjoy your lookup tables. Rough. <laughs> <laughs>